you, Jesus. Hallelujah. John chapter 1, verse number 1, the scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Going down to verse number 14, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Won't make sense for a while, probably, but I want to preach to you tonight. My title is Do Something. Do Something. Father, thank you for your presence that's manifested in this place tonight. Thank you for what you've already done, but I thank you also for what you're going to do. That you would minister through your word, that your spirit would minister in this place tonight. That a work of your spirit would be done, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray again tonight that this would not be a sermon, but a message, a word that would come from you in the name of Jesus. I trust you and depend on you for your anointing tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I know that most of you are aware of this in case there's some that aren't. And to remind those that are, in the verses that we have read from John as well as from Romans, we find the word, word, in those verses. But they are two different Greek words for the words, or the word, word in John and the word, word in Romans. In John 1, when John says, in the beginning was the word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, the Greek word there for Word is Logos. It's, it's kind of the plan, the pattern, uh, the, the blueprint, if you will. And then when Paul says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, that Greek word there for Word is Rhema. It is the, it's the living voice. It is a living utterance. It is a, it is a quickened word that comes from God. And so John says from the very beginning we had the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. Can I tell you or remind you tonight the Bible is not a book about God. The Bible is not a book about God. The Bible is the revelation of God. It's who God is. It's not a book written about Him. It's the expression that we have of who He is. And so John says that from the beginning there was the Logos. It was established. But, but Paul talks about this, this rhema, this quickened word. And faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. And so throughout the New Testament, when you find that word, word there, you, 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 it, it, it may be one or two, it may be one of those two definitions depending on the context. And, 
And uh, we, we know the importance, we know the significance not only of the written Word of God, but many, many of us have come to experience the significance and the importance of a rhema from God. Sometimes a rhema from God can be a word that's spoken, a prophetic word that's spoken into your life, maybe directly from God to you, sometimes through another man or woman of God, and, and that, that can be a rhema, but I, 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 I believe in that, but I also believe one of the, one of the most sure rhemas you can get from God is when the Spirit of God quickens a a verse or a passage from the Word of God to you and lets you know that that is for you in this season or this moment that you are in. And can I tell you, that's just as significant of a rhema from God as it is an individual prophesying to you. And so, I, I want to I take you kind of back to the beginning. I, I, I'm not sure there are men and women in this place that are very knowledgeable students of the Word of God and, and very skilled in the Word of God. I don't know from my understanding that, that necessarily in the Old Testament we find a, uh, an exact kind of comparison to what I'm referring to here in the in the New Testament as far as a Hebrew words that are that are that, that relate to these Greek words what I do know is we can find examples of both throughout the Old Testament we can find some examples in the Psalms of of the word of God the what what would be the logos being talked about and the importance of the significance of of the word and then we also can find examples and and I want to give you some examples starting in the old testament of 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 rhema and and people that acted upon rhema I I think in in one context that I think what perhaps could be considered maybe the first rhema word from God spoken to somebody uh, as far as some direction and guidance perhaps was what was spoken to Noah, but that was with regards to, to judgment and what was going to come in a negative context and God was going to use him. But in, in, a, in a positive context of what would to me be a rhema from God, I I, I, from 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 my study and kind of just reading through it again, I, I think you could I think you could say that the first rhema from God in that context was God's word to Abraham. And in in Genesis twelve and verse one, God says, or the Scripture says, "Now the Lord had said unto Abram." Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's a, that's a rhema to me. That's a, that's a fresh, uh, living word. That's a utterance from God to Abraham. Here's where I want you to go, or here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to leave the familiar surroundings behind. I, I want you to leave home behind. I want you to leave everything you have known up to this point behind. But in doing that, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take you to a place that 
is not yours now, but I'm going to give it to you. And, and I'm going to bless you. And here's the way in which I'm going to bless you. And here's what I'm going to do. And so if you will be willing to leave Ur and follow me, this is the guarantee that, I, that I'm going to give you. I, I, I think if you truly believe you've heard from God and you know you've heard from God, you might be willing to take that step of faith. I probably shouldn't say this. Y'all, I, them, them folks in Baltimore know how to spoil a preacher. We may need to transplant a few of them back down here. I know Bishop Bishop's philosophy is you're quiet, you're listening. I like you make some noise and listen too. It wouldn't, seems like if you knew you heard from God, it wouldn't be too hard to, 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 to leave behind what you've been used to with the guarantee that if you will go, this is what I'm gonna do. And, and no small promise here. I'm going to bless you beyond really what you can comprehend, if I could say it that way. I'm going to multiply you in a way greater than what you could imagine. And so we know that with that rhema from God, Abraham leaves and embarks on a journey. And he didn't even know where he was exactly going. He just knew he was going somewhere good. He just knew he was headed for something God had promised. And so by faith, He starts his journey by faith, believing in what God had said to him. And we we know the story of of, uh, Isaac and God giving him Isaac. And now in 2015, we can attest to the faithfulness of God's promise to Abraham. And part of the promise that whoever blesses you, I'll bless. But whoever curses you, I'll curse. We find Moses in a similar context when he's out in the wilderness. He's run from Egypt because of the crime he's committed and he's now on the backside of seemingly nowhere. But in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1, God shows up and the Bible says Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And the scripture goes on to tell us that that this voice speaks to him, and it tells him to throw down his rod, and he throws his rod down, and it becomes a serpent, and then God tells him to pick it up, and it becomes a rod again, and he puts his hand in his bosom, and he pulls it out, and it's leprous, and he puts it in, he pulls it back out and it's made whole. And so he's got a burning bush that's not being consumed. He's got these other two things that are being done. And now God's saying to Moses, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want you to go back to Egypt. And I want you to go back to Egypt because I'm going to use you to lead my people out of Egypt. I'm giving you a rhema to go on. I'm giving you a word and, 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 and something to have faith in. I, I, I gotta tell you, I think if God would give me some burning bushes and we can skip over the rod part. 
As I throw that rod down and it becomes a snake, I will not be around for the other part of that miracle. Somebody else is going to be grabbing it for it to turn back into a snake. I'm out of here. I guess I'll do the I'll, the hand part okay, but not the snake part. But I, I mean, that's that's some pretty significant stuff to have to go on. I mean, I, to my knowledge, all Noah had was a word from God. There were, there were no signs to confirm what God told him to do. But Moses not only has a rhema, but he has confirmation of the rhema. And so he acts upon that, and, and, and I realized there was opposition and adversity, but Moses had a burning bush to go back to in his mind. Moses had a serpent and a stick to go back to. He, he had a, a hand that was leprous and made whole, and so he could remind himself. He, he could do like the Bible says David did and encourage himself. He could walk away from Pharaoh when Pharaoh refused to let the people of God go. And in his mind, he could go back over what he experienced and he could tell himself, it may not happen today. We may not leave Egypt today, but I got a word from God and I got confirmation of that word from God. And so whether it's today or not, we're getting out of here because I've got a rhema and because of my rhema, I have faith. And I know that whatever God promises, not only is he able to perform, He's faithful to perform, and he's got to perform it if he said he would do it. How about about this one? God shows up, or the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon. Oh, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, hiding behind a wine press out of fear, but God calls him a mighty man of valor. God's going to use you to deliver. God's going to use you to bring His people out of the circumstances they're in. In Judges chapter 6 and verse number 36, the Bible says, Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. Notice he acknowledges what God said. But now he says, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor... And if the dew be on the fleece only, and if it be upon all the earth beside, and it, excuse me, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. And the ground was dry. Wait a minute, God. I know what you said. I know what you've done. But just to make sure this wasn't a total fluke. Let not thine anger be hot against me. And I will speak but this once, even though you've already spoken. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece, Gideon didn't need, didn't know how to count. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew 
on all the ground. So not only did Gideon have the word, what God had said to him, he now has this fleece that he tries two different ways and it is confirmed twice by by his request that God really has spoken and then and then I believe it's after this if I'm not mistaken he he ends up going down to the enemy's camp sitting outside of the enemy's camp and they're talking telling a dream they had about him you know I don't like Gideon he got a word he got two different fleeces, the two different ways he did the fleece, and then he gets he gets the enemy talking about a dream they had of him, who he was, and what was going to happen. He had a rhema, which should have produced faith from an angel. Not just a word from God in his heart, but from an an encounter with an angel. Finally, he acts upon that rhema. And God gives the victory that he said he was going to imagine that. God did what he said he would do. Kind of an amazing thing about God. He usually ends up doing what he said he would do. The song says it pretty well. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He may not do it when you think he ought to do it. He may not do it when you tell him to do it. But if he said he was going to do it, you can rest assured he will do it because he is God. And as God, he cannot lie because if he lies, he can't be God. And so if he said he was going to do it, you can hang on to the fact that he is going to do it. David gets back from being out with his men. He comes back to Ziklag. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? I need a word from you, God. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So it should not have been any surprise when David shows up where the wives and children had been taken captive. It shouldn't have been a surprise to show up and find out that nobody was harmed and everything was in good condition because he had received a word from God that said, I want you to go and pursue. Not only are you going to pursue, but you are going to recover everything that was lost. I'm going to give back to you what was lost. And so with a rhema, 
the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With a rhema, he pursues after what was stolen from him. Simply to find out that God's faithful to do what he said he would do. I realize Joseph did not leave home by his choice. It was not his decision to go, but he left. He was forced to go with a rhema. His rhema was in the form of a dream, but he had a rhema. The rhema was summarized in a very simplistic way. Everything's going to work out all right. So when you're in the pit, Joseph, you've got a word to go back to. When you're wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, you've got a rhema to go back to, Joseph, to let you know it's all going to be fine. When you're thrown into a prison, Joseph, you've got a rhema to go back to, to let you know this isn't the end. This is not the way it's going to turn out. You just keep believing, and when it's all said and done, the dreams that I have given you will come to pass. I got a feeling that Joseph, as well as David, as well as others, encouraged themselves in the Lord. There were some times they had to go back to some dreams, or perhaps David, while he's hiding out in a cave, goes back to an anointing that he received from the man of God that in, in, in one context was a rhema from God. You're going to be king. And so, no matter what the circumstances are, if you'll just hang in there, everything's gonna be alright, cause I've told you what I'm gonna do. preach about Peter and before I make the point I'm about to make I will say as I've said in times past we can sit and criticize Peter for taking his eyes off of Jesus and starting to sink but none of us ever walked on water <laughs> he may have gotten out of the boat and started looking in the wind and the waves but he did get out of the boat and he did take some steps <laughs> but notice Peter says they're out there on that ship and the winds and the waves are tossing and blowing and, and Peter and the disciples, they see something coming and, and Peter looks out there and says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. When Jesus responded and said, come, that was a rhema. That was the living voice speaking in the flesh. And so Peter did not just jump out of the boat when he recognized Jesus and start walking on the water. It was in response to the word of the Lord saying, come. And when he heard the word, he responded to the word. Am I preaching to anybody tonight that has some rhemas from God? I, I don't care what it's in regards to, what circumstances or situations. Is there anybody tonight that's got a rhema for something that is yet to be fulfilled, but you've still got faith that God said it, and because God said it, I have faith that it's going to come to pass. Anybody?
Anybody got some circumstances you've been through that have opposed and fought against your rhema, but you're hanging on to the rhema and something down inside of you says, I I don't have to fear. I may fear sometimes in a moment of weakness, but I don't have to fear because I've got a word from God and I'm walking by faith in that word from God. And if I'll hang on to that word, God is faithful to do what he said he would do. So in one, on one hand, I read to you these examples to remind you of the power of a word from God. Of the reliability of a word from God. And that what God says He will do, you can rest assured He will do. I don't know if any of these other preachers think about it very often. I got to tell you, every now and then it crosses my mind a little bit. This this digital age we're living in, people can easily pull out one statement you make and completely misrepresent. And now, with simply with an iPhone or a Whatever kind of phone you may have. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's apps that you can do editing that you, you, the average, you'd, you'd never know. So if you take what I'm about to say out of context or do some editing and cutting down of everything else I'm saying, you will misrepresent me. So please understand the context or bear with me as I give you the context of the statement that I'm about to make. We, I think, have become rhema addicts. (laughs) Meaning, we've reached a point most of us won't move until We have a rhema from God. Now again, you take this out of context, you're going to totally mess up what I'm saying. (laughs) I understand that when, with regards to the will of God and and things like that, you, you don't move until you get a word, you get direction. I understand that. But with regards to some of the examples that I've read to you here tonight and, and, and other things similar to that, we, we have become so rhema dependent. In fact, if actually really what we've done is we've now twisted a rhema around to become our excuse. And we justify our lack of action or activity or pursuit Because I don't have a rhema to go on. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 18. The children of Israel have the Philistines encamped against them. There's a standoff that's going on in 
chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, I believe it is, the scripture says that, that there was no smith found in Israel. There was, there was no, um, what do you call that? That's, what's the guy called? In the, blacksmith, yes. That there was no one who was there who had the knowledge and the skill and the experience of fashioning weapons. And they had taken the smiths, the blacksmiths out of Israel to make sure that nobody could develop some weapons to, to produce an uprising against them. And so in chapter 13, the Bible says, and, and, and verse number... 1 Samuel 13 and 18. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, let me, this is reading where I'm talking about. So let me just read. And another company turned the way to Beth Haran. And another company turned the way of the border that looked to the valley of Zeboam toward the wilderness. Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goad. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and Jonathan was his son was there found. So nobody but Jonathan and Saul had a sword. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. 600 men are sitting around doing nothing. And, a, and Ahiah, the son of whoever, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be. It may be. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but it may be. Just a maybe. Just a possibility. It may be. That the Lord will work for us. We don't know if God's going to do anything or not. We have no idea. He didn't wake up and say to his armor bearer, Hey, I was praying this morning and God spoke to me. 
Or I was sleeping last night and I had a dream and in that dream you and I went over and we slew the Philistines and God gave us victory. Jonathan just decides, you know what, I am sick and tired of these circumstances that I'm in. And it just might be if we do something, God may do something because there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. No, 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 no prophet, no dream, no vision, no fleece. No word. Just somebody that says, you know what? God might do something. And I'm tired of sitting in these circumstances. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God something to respond to. Let's just see. Some of, some of y'all don't even worship anymore because God didn't tell you to do something. Last month, in fact, a month ago, what, today's the 21st, so a month ago in two days, my wife and I celebrated 23 years of marriage, and, 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 and that, that's, I'm now well beyond half been married over half my life. I think I crossed that a while back, but 23 years, 23 years, and, 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 and our marriage is better now than it's ever been. Our relationship is stronger and deeper than it's ever been before i finally got her to change and make some adjustments and it's going good hmm. i, I, I kind of doubt we would have made it to 23 years if the only time i ever hugged her is when she told me Hug me. Or if the only time I ever held her hand is when she told me, hold my hand. Now what she has helped me to understand is she, she, she needs some meaningful touches. Some of y'all are, um, you, you know, we all got different love languages. Of course, I'm, I'm you know, that... I'm just honorary enough after she's very kindly reminded me that I will then declare I'm now doing what you need me to do. Which totally ruins me doing what she... That would be... That would be... That, that, that wouldn't last very long. Some of y'all, well, if God tells me to dance, I'll dance. If God tells me to tell him I love him, I'll tell him I love him. And, and you know why God doesn't a lot of times do anything for you? You're not giving God anything to work with. I don't know, Jonathan. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do. All I know is I'm tired of sitting here and I know God is not limited by what he can do or how he does it.
And so let's just go see. Let, let's just go see what God might do. Not going to wait until there's a guarantee. Not going to wait until somebody gets the ephod. Not going to wait until there's visions and dreams and fleeces and confirmations. I'm just going to decide. I know what God can do. And I'm not just going to wait for every move I make to be in response to God giving me a rhema. I'm going to get out with a step of faith and decide God can do something. And maybe if I'll just start moving, God will meet me somewhere along the way. And if you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that Jonathan and his armor bearer get over there. And the two guys defeat 20 guys to start with. And next thing you know, God's brought a victory. I wonder if John, if Jonathan had waited for God to speak to him to do something. I wonder how much longer they may have sat there waiting for God to provide an answer. But could it be God was just waiting to see if somebody had enough confidence in him to say, you know what, I'm not just going to wait on you, God, but I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to see if you will respond to my faith. Second Kings chapter number 7, verse number 1. Children of Israel are another one of those times. They're surrounded by the enemy to the point there's been a horrible famine going on. Verse 1 of chapter 7, Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes but shall not eat thereof. So that's what's taken place in the, in the throne room. The prophet is telling the king the famine's about to be over with. God is about to provide. The king is getting a rhema from God. And while the king is getting a rhema from God... There are four lepers who are sitting at the entering end of the gate. And they, not knowing what's going on with the king, say, Why sit we here until we die? Why are we just going to stay here and either starve to death or die of our leprosy? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come 
and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we will live. And if they kill us, we will die. That's some powerful stuff right there, boy. If they let us live, we're going to live. If they kill us, we're going to die. I didn't know leprosy ate the brain, but apparently it must have ate the brain some. <laughs> we're just, if we, if we stay, we die. If we go in there, we die. If we go to the enemy's camp, the worst thing can happen is we die. Except we go to the enemy's camp, we probably die quicker than the other two ways. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. See, they're sitting there rationalizing everything based on their knowledge. What they didn't know was they didn't have a rhema. But somebody else had a rhema. And God was using the one that didn't have the rhema as a part of the fulfillment of the one who had the rhema. And they get to the camp and there's no man. The reason there's no man is because the Lord, without telling the lepers anything, had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. What they weren't aware of is the only thing that was coming was a bunch of dying lepers. Four guys that had been sitting and dying and had decided if we're going to die, let's at least die doing something. If we're going to die, let's not die sitting still. If we're going to die, let's at least die doing something. And so they had no idea when the four of them got up and just simply began to walk. God all of a sudden causes the enemy to start to hear a sound. And not just any sound, but the sound of a great army. And all they know is we may die there, we may die sitting, we may die there, but let's at least go see. They get there and find it's gone and they arose and fled. The enemy arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camps as it was, and fled for their life. Not because four guys were sitting there at early morning prayer. 
Oh, God, we need you to do something, God. We, we need you to do something. We need you to work. We need you to move. We Tell us, God. Tell us. Speak to us. If you'll speak to us, God, we'll do something. Don't, don't miss my man, don't miss, misinterpret what I'm preaching. I am not in any way devaluing or minimizing the importance and significance of Rhema from God. I am trying to take away the excuse we've made it out to be. And we come to service after service after service and wait on God to do something, say something, come to us. I give you the example of four guys that decided, you know what, I will, we will not sit here and die. If we're going to die, let's at least die moving. But God looks down and even though he's given a rhema over here, he's using somebody else to activate it that has nothing, no knowledge of it. Could it be that maybe God's given somebody else a rhema, but God wants you to be a part of the activation of the rhema? And so instead of sitting and waiting for God to speak to you, maybe you just need to get up and start moving, not knowing that when you start moving, God is starting to move as well and even though you have no prophetic word and you've not been told what God was going to do God is actually doing something read the miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament you will find from my recollection, the majority of the miracles that Jesus performed, He did not initiate the miracle. Jesus wasn't like some of these preachers today that, you know, just spends all calling people out, reading mail. What we have a tendency, well, if you know, if God will speak to me or if if God sends somebody to me to tell me, then I will believe. You might never get your miracle then. Could it be God waiting on you to be like some of those in Scripture who made up their mind? This is my opportunity. This is the moment that I might be able to get what I need. And so rather than seeing if Jesus will stop by and give me his attention, I refuse to let this moment pass me by. And so whatever that means I have to do to go after him, whatever that means I have to do to get his attention, I refuse to just sit here with my fingers crossed in hopes that he's going to stop by tonight and minister to me. Need to double knot my shoes. You know what? I got to tell you, folks. I think church is more like a buffet than it is a sit-down restaurant. You walk in, <laughs> you go 
I, I, I know some of y'all may like it, so I'm not trying to be unkind. It is, it is the bottom of my list of restaurants that I like. No offense if you like it, but I'm not a... There are very few buffets I've ever been to that come anywhere close to home-cooked food. About the closest I know of is Mama Hamels in Madison, Mississippi. <laughs> Golden Corral and Country Buffet and Horn and Horn. Got any... Sunday afternoon, horn and horn smorgasbord attendees still around? Yeah. Go from the warehouse to horn and horn smorgasbord at what was, I guess, Saverna Park Mall. <laughs> if you walk in to a smorgasbord, a buffet, find your seat and sit down and wait. You will remain hungry for a long time. The server's job is to get you to a table and to keep the mess off the table. The food part is all up to you. And whether it's really good or not, matter of opinion... The soft serve ice cream is always good, so. If you sit there and wait, doesn't matter how good and how much food there is, you will not eat. You got to get up. You got to move. You got to go get it. This ain't TGI Fridays, Applebee's, Ruth's Chris, Outback, Double T. Feel a little rapping coming on. <laughs> it's not. It's not that. You can go in there and sit down and wait and order, and they bring it. The sitting that, folks. I, my job is not to come feed you tonight. My job is not to come put a bib on you and sit there beside you with a little jar of mush and get it in your mouth. Open up. Entice you to eat. I don't know about the rest of you preachers, but I get a little tired sometimes of the pressure of enticing people to eat. Trying to convince you that what I brought to you that I believe I got from the Lord is worth you opening up and getting it. I've got to tell you, when you're hungry... Or hungry, as some would say. You kind of forget about flavor, actually. You kind of get little light. You don't. You're not as concerned about if it's done just right or not. Something says I'm hungry. Just give me something to eat. 
and I will eat. But you got to make up your mind. I'm going to go after it. If it's available, I will get it. Twelve years, an issue of blood. She didn't wait for Jesus to walk through the crowd. Call her out. I feel like there's somebody here today with a need. I think you're right over here somewhere. No. No. She made up her mind. She made up her mind. Some of us sit and we wait and we come to church with sickness and pain in our bodies and we sit and we say, well, if they pray for healing tonight, I might get it. If they give us an opportunity to pray for sickness, then I might respond and get what I need. Why not make up your mind before you ever get out of the car? I will touch the hem of His garment tonight, this morning, whatever the case may be. I won't need an invitation. I won't need an encouragement. I won't need a prophetic word. There's something inside of me that says, if I can just get to Him, I can get what it is I have need of. And so I'm not really sure if He'll do it or not. All I know is I'm going to do something and see what God will do in return. something do something I wonder how many hungry people we've passed by that were looking for Jesus but we didn't get a rhema I know we've been taught Bishop has taught for years spirit led visitation I get that I understand that I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not contradicting that but if all we ever do is respond to the voice of the Lord and there's not something inside of us that says, you know what, somewhere there's somebody hungry. Somewhere there's somebody in need. And maybe rather than waiting on God to tell me what to do, I'm going to give God something to work with. Got to be moving. An object at rest. Tends to stay at rest. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make anybody mess. Sorry, the other one's loose too. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I really, I'm not. I got better things to do with my life than make people mad at me. I, I got. I was sitting there earlier. Well, we're, I got a fire. I got a fire burning inside me. I'm like, I guess some of y'all got artificial fire. Because the only fire you get around that don't make you... I got oh it's on my it's on my uh on my on my uh oh I have it and actually I deleted it. You know you can get a you can get a uh 
a, a candle app and a fireplace app. So you can have flames. I can touch that screen all day long. Don't burn me. Excuse the grammar, because it ain't real. Let me tell you something. It don't take a lot of fire to cause you to move. I don't need a bonfire up here to get you to move. If all I had was a candle, I could get you to move. I don't get it. Thank God nobody's dealing with frostbite. <laughs> Getting very warm from that fire you got inside. Because if you got the kind of fire that don't make something. Jeremiah said, I made up my mind. I wasn't going to do nothing. But <clears throat> it was like... <laughs> It was like a fire. <laughs> I got a fire. And if I don't have a fire, I'm going to start a fire. So-and-so, it don't matter what, they dance and shout every single service. Now, I just don't know if all that's necessary. So hold on a minute. On this end, if you dance and shout every service, something might be wrong. But on this end, if you never dance and shout in a service, Ooh, boy. We're getting tight in here. I can sit here until I die. I can wait and wait and wait on God to speak. And He may. And he has, and he will. But I can also make up my mind that there is some situations and circumstances that are in need of God to do something. And rather than just simply waiting on that rhema and that word from God, I am going to take a step of faith because God has a tendency to respond to what I do. There's another principle in science that says for every action there is a reaction. In fact, I think it's something like an opposite, an equal but opposite reaction. I will tell you God kind of messes up that principle a little bit. Because while there is a reaction on God's part, I have found through the years that most of the time, God's reaction to my action is not equal to my action. Right. 
But most of the time, God's reaction to my action is exceeding abundantly above what I could ask or think. Scripture tells us the rain that comes down is in accordance. Actually, is the word accordance? I think it's accordance. In accordance to. Not equal to. I think until this very moment, I always thought equal to. But that's what it said. But that's in accordance to. So what I send up, God sends back. But He responds to me the way I respond to Him. So a little bit of vapor, just a psh, I might get a little psh. The problem with a psh from me or a psh from him is if he's far enough away, it evaporates before I ever get it or he ever gets it. So I don't know about you, but I want to make sure we got enough vapor going up that it does not get lost. Last year, last year, I'm closing. Whatever that means, I am. We bought a fountain. The fountain plugs in and water runs through it. And, you know, you sit out there and sit there long enough. You can't sit there much longer. You got to go to the bathroom. It makes you feel like, yeah, sorry. I know that was just a little bit of guy humor there. My fault. My bad. <laughs> I set it up a couple of weeks ago, a month or two ago now, I guess. And I've been kind of watching it. We've only run it twice. I guess you're supposed to run it all the time. I don't know. And it's, it's three-tiered. Small at the top, a little bit bigger, and then the biggest at the bottom. And when I first set it up, I filled it up. Had it running. I noticed the other day that top tier is totally dry. And the second is down less than half of what it was. And the bottom is significantly down too. Because if there is no continual flow, and there's no source that keeps feeding into it. And all it does is sit and do nothing. It dries up. If you and I just try to sit and hang on, there's a lot of heat that's going to evaporate what we have. I noticed something else. Because it's not been steadily flowing, there's now a buildup of slime in each of those two levels. As long as you keep the flow going, it keeps it cleaned out. But you let it sit, junk starts to accumulate, and the amount of it starts to evaporate. 
So you better not just come to church and other situations where the presence of God is and intending to do something and be content that I made it and that's enough. No. You gotta get some movement going on in the flow. There's gotta be a fresh source coming in and that stuff that's already there's gotta get circulating so nothing becomes stagnant and stale. And so every time we get in the presence of God, I need to get connected. I don't know what He will do. I don't know what he's going to do here tonight to every degree. But something inside of me says, if I will just take a step and I will reach out and I will reach out after him, he will do something. He will respond to me. He's not going to let me take a step of faith and let me reach out for him and then do nothing. Sister Trish, come please. Oh, I wonder if we got any Jonathans here tonight. I wonder if we got any lepers here tonight. I wonder if we've got anybody like a woman with an issue of blood. I wonder if we got any blind Bartimaeuses here tonight. I wonder if we've got anybody like the man who had the three, the four friends that needed a miracle. And when everybody was in the way, they say if we can't get to him through the front door, we'll just make our own entrance because we don't have a word from him what he's going to do we just know if we can get to him not to mention who knows the ramas that have been given somewhere but God is waiting on somebody someplace else to be a part of the activation of the rhema. So rather than just sitting and waiting for God to prompt me to do something and tell me what to do, I'm going to decide, God, I'm going to give you something to work with and I'm just going to see what you might do. I don't know if you're going to do anything or not. You, uh, we, Jonathan, what Jonathan, part of what Jonathan was saying was, we may go over there and they may lick the ground up with us. We don't know, but what I do know is God might be able to do something. If somebody's tonight, you've got a need that you've been carrying for a while, and rather than just continuing to wait to see what God says He's going to do, something would rise up inside of you tonight and say, God, I know what you can do. I know what you have the power and the ability to do. I know you're the same today as you've always been. And so I'm not just going to keep sitting and waiting on you to come to me, but I'm going to find out where you are. And if I can just get to you, can get what I have need of. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody tired tonight of doing nothing and just waiting on God to do something or waiting on God to do everything? But there's something inside of you tonight that says, you know what? I, 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 I got no guarantees. I don't have a promise. I'm not certain of what God's going to do. But I know what He can do. So I'm just going to decide to find out. I'm going to get beyond 
the restrictions of my fear and my uncertainties the unknown I'm going to decide to do something and see what God might do anybody willing to step out tonight on what God might do anybody willing to move in your life in a direction not based on what God's told you he would do but you're going to move in a direction in your life based on what you know God can do and let's see if God will do what God can do and I'm not just going to sit here and die I'm not just going to sit here in the possibility of dying where I am but I'm going to move and see what God will do I'm going to move I'm going to move I'm going to take a step of faith thank God for a rhema that got Peter out of the boat but I wonder if there's anybody tonight that's desperate enough I wonder if there's anybody tonight that's hungry enough that you'll get out of your boat tonight without a rhema, without a word. But you've got enough faith that says, I see Jesus. I know where Jesus is. And I will not wait for Him to come to me. But I'm going to go to where He is. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I can't just sit and wait. I can't just sit and watch. I can't just sit and hope. I can't just sit and wish. I'm going to do something and see what God will do in return. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for Rhema, God. Thank you for Rhema. Thank you for the promises you've given us. Thank you for the prophetic words you put in our lives. But I don't want to become totally dependent on every movement I make. It's not until you give me a word. I want to ex exercise and demonstrate my faith, God, that you can do something. And that if I will do something, you will respond. name of Jesus the name of Jesus not gonna wait until I get a word from an angel and then I get a couple of fleeces and then I get the enemy telling me a dream they had about me I'm not gonna have to wait for two and three and four confirmations before I take a step of faith something stirring inside of me that says I know God can I know God can. I know God can. Rather than just simply waiting on God to do it all, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to get out of the place of safety and security that I'm in. And I'm going to go and see what God may do. Are you willing to step out tonight simply on what God may do? Are you willing to take a step of faith tonight simply on what God may do? Are you willing to go and encounter an enemy based on what God may do?
no guarantee, no certainty, no dream, no vision, no angel, no prophecy. Just something inside of you that says, I know what God can do. And I know God that I know God's not limited to save by many. I know God doesn't need a great army. I know God just needs something to work with. And so I'm gonna give God something to work with. name of Jesus in the name of Jesus well I'll, I'll commit to ministry I'll commit to what God has called me to do when God changes all of those things that I see to be the issues and the obstacles to it no 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 why not take a step of faith God I know what you've called me to I know what your purpose and your plan is so I'm going to step out and see what you'll do in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I'm going to give you something to work with God going to give you something to work with I'm going to get in motion I'm going to start moving if I'm heading in the wrong direction you can redirect me if I'm moving in the wrong direction you can adjust my path but I think it's easier for you to adjust my path God than it is for you to get me moving when I'm doing nothing so I'm going to give you something to work with going to give you something to flow through going to give you something to use in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I'm going to do something God I'm going to do something not just going to sit back and wait for you to do it all. I'm not going to sit and wait for you to initiate in every area where there's a need, in every area where there's a problem, in every area where there is an obstacle in the way. I'm not just going to sit and wait on you, God, but I'm going to start moving because I know you can do something. I know you've got the power and the ability to do something, so I'm going to start moving and give you something to work with. name of Jesus in the name of Jesus let it move let it move let it move through me in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Oh, hallelujah. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I don't need some big guarantee or promise of what you'll do with me and through me. I'm just giving myself. I'm making myself available. I'm presenting myself and giving you the opportunity to do what you're able to do, God. Not gonna wait until you move me. 
not going to wait, God, until you move me, but I'm going to move and see what you'll do. I'm going to move, God, and find out how you'll respond. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am. I'm to get out of my comfort zone. I want to get out of my place of security. I want to get out of the paralysis that I've been living in. I want to reach out. I want to push my way through the crowd of obstacles and adversity and get to the hem of your garment. Because if I can just get to the hem of your garment, I can get what I need. I don't need you to come to me. I'm coming to you. I don't need you to find me, Jesus. I'm looking for you. I don't need you to search for me. I'm searching for you. I'm not just going to wait and see what you'll do. I'm going to reach out and pursue you and find out. Here I am. Here I am. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ikalala bo sheki aratalala bo kosata bahai. Iyalala bando robo koye yalala bo siyando robo kosata bahai. Here I am. Here I am. A vessel you can use, a conduit you can flow through. Not waiting on you to find me. I'm finding you, Jesus. Not waiting on you to initiate, I'm initiating, Lord. Here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. Everything I've got, Lord. My faith and my fear. My hopes and my doubts. Give it all. I'm coming after you with all of it, God, to see what it is you'll do. Here I am. Here I am. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Move through me, Lord. Move through me, Lord. Move through me, Lord. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Whenever you need to go, want to go, you're free to go.